Last time on the show, we learned that cash is quickly disappearing. But what will take its place? Yeah, I think you had talked on our last show about people in Sweden putting a implanting a microchip in their hand and just waving it as they go by. <laughs> little Star Trekky for me at this point, but it's um, a little much for yeah. me. I don't think I want to undergo <laughs> surgery you know, no. to pay for my yopo, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe FIS's Melissa Kopp and I aren't ready to become cyborgs just yet. But why would we? We already have a dizzying variety of devices and apps that make paying for things easier than lifting a finger. We've got smartphones, smart watches, smart speakers. We've got digital wallets, Venmo, and refrigerators that will buy more milk for us when we run out. Even the Jetsons would be wowed by some of these. Of course, most of these innovations are still linked to that little piece of plastic we call a credit or debit card. But just like cash, that physical token is becoming less and less relevant. That's why now more than ever, uh, financial institutions really need to think about the experience because there are multiple places and ways that we can pay. So you've got to bring it together. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation, where we explore the trends that are already transforming financial institutions and the technologies we'll need to prosper in a brave new payment landscape. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And today on the show, we're exploring how technology has made payments a multifaceted experience that transcends our little pieces of plastic. These days, consumers are interacting with retailers and financial institutions through an ever-growing variety of digital channels. How can banks and businesses reach their customers in all of these different places? And how can they combine them into one seamless, cohesive experience? Melissa Kopp, FIS's Director of Business Development, is back today to help us think through these challenges. I started out by asking her how the ways people use credit and debit cards have changed in the past 10 years. Oh gosh, well, we've we've managed to migrate ourselves into a digital environment, right? We have um, we still carry pieces of plastic in our wallets and in our purses, um, but increasingly more and more we are migrating towards um, digital experiences. And, you know, at the heart and at the core of what cardholders are looking for is they just want the friction removed, right? They want a simple flow. They want to be able to have the tools where they can self-service. As a result of COVID, too, subscription and delivery services now um, as a part of our experience are becoming even more important. Um, and at the end, we, we want access. Kind of think of them as the principles of convenience, so when we are engaging in, um, in, in a payments experience, we want it to be convenient. And Aaron, I'm sure you think about this too, when you're using various apps on your phone, either to make a payment or to order goods and services, um, you know when you experience a good one versus a bad one, right? Um, and, and I think cardholders experience that every single day. I'm staring at my phone right now and just thinking of a few, as I'm sure you are too. 
Right. I really just like it when the numbers pop up and I can just push by, you know, by now instead of having to go grab my card and re-enter the number and my fat texting fingers mess it up. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, what's interesting is that um, when those things do pop up and let's say, you know, I'm a, I'm a um, sucker for all of the cool little boutique shops that pop up on Facebook or Twitter, right? I'm like, ooh, that looks like it would be great in my closet. And, you know, you, you click right over to it and you're at the checkout and at the checkout it you know your phone automatically just pops up and and says would you wish to use this card yes i would right you know that's so easy for me so i don't have to run back to my wallet and, and grab my card that being there is a function of something that has been facil- facilitated by my financial institution my financial institution has laid the groundwork and the foundation for my card being able to pop up in various cases like that you know, that is at the foundation of what financial institutions need to be um, investing in. I would agree with that. I've been having some frustrating experiences with my cards lately, and it's really making me think about changing banks. I want it to be easier. I want it to be more seamless. Maybe we're, maybe consumers are getting more demanding as time goes on. Well, I think we're getting smarter. We have um, our eyes on what's now available to us. COVID's brought that to light again. And I think we chatted about before some of the gaps and, and deficiencies that have been um, highlighted as a result of COVID and the payments um, are at the top of the list, right? And now everyone, like I said, either wants to subscribe to something and have it delivered or they want to pay digitally because it's all hands off, but they also you know, need it to be um, ubiquitous and fast and secure. Um, and ultimately at the end of the day, just, just remove that friction so I can get on to my next task. And uh, you talked about the security is we also want to be able to call our credit card company if there's been a fraudulent charge, right? And get it taken care of immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that goes back to the um, self-service portion of, you know, being convenient, right? Give me the tools in my hand so I don't have to call and say, hey, I didn't perform this transaction, right? Build all of those types of friction points into your overall overall experience and make it super simple for your cardholders to interact with you so they can get on with their day. You don't want to be at the top of their list because you didn't meet their needs. You wanna be at the top of their list because you made it super simple for them to interact with you. But making those effortless experiences possible is no simple task. There's just so many ways customers can interact with companies these days. I want that experience to work the same for me across all the channels that you're offering to me. We need to think outside of just the physical card, right? We need to think about the fact that I can now order groceries or Tide detergent from Alexa. I can order from my car. Right. I don't yet have a car where I can order from, but, um, you know, I I think I would probably evolve into being an avid user of it. Or my goodness, my refrigerator can tell me when I'm out of milk and I can reorder. I can reorder my groceries from my refrigerator. So it's going far beyond that. But um, for all of that to work, it has to be seamless and convenient. And what other trends are you seeing that's changing the landscape? POS financing um, has become huge. So. If I think about the way in which I shop and, you know, I'm, I told you before, I'm a sucker for all those boutiques that pop up on Facebook and I'm, I'm jumping over to check them out. If you go to the checkout now, 
rarely does it give you the total for your purchase. What you see now is this only costs you $29 a month or, you know, I mean, even smaller purchases, right? This only costs you $10 a month. They're breaking these down into what are called monthly installments. And, you know, also as a result of COVID, right? People want to understand, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've spent my monthly budget here, but I can afford this. I can afford $10 a month. I can afford to make this purchase, you know? And it's not just in the non-card lending space. So, you know, installments um, can be done as a loan, right? Or they can be done uh, via the card as well. And that's where we're seeing the popularity rise. So let's say I've walked into Target and I have purchased um, a big screen and I walk out. Um, now I can get a notification from my financial institution right on my phone that says, hey, Melissa, saw you just spent, you know, 500 bucks on this um, new TV. Would you like to turn that into an installment plan to make it easier on your budget? Well, yeah, sure I would. So whether that's three, six, nine month plan makes it easier for me. So we're seeing um, card-based POS financing really, really grow in popularity here. What about the the actual stores themselves, this point of sale financing? Are they providing that as well? Yeah, yeah. So they've been doing it for a while, right? So uh, Walmart and Affirm have had a program for quite some time where, you know, same thing. You can make a, a large purchase within Walmart and right there within the app, within your Walmart app, can choose to turn that large purchase into, into a loan. Now, that's not a card-based loan, right? That's that's more of a, a true um, installment loan. But um, retailers have been doing this for a while. And it's that part is also growing in popularity. So you can see the push and pull, right, between the retailers and the issuers. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. But I think that, you know, the car, the uh, financial institutions who maintain relationships with their cardholders have a leg up here because they, you know, they have the channel to begin communicating. Um, and I think where we're going to see that behavior really begin to change is when they can offer this as an option before you go shopping. So if my financial institution can reach out to me and say, you know, hey, Melissa, you know, we have options for you with, you know, some pending purchases you may be thinking about to turn these into um, an installment, just use your credit card and then we you can choose your terms, you know, ahead of time. So when we get to the point where we're almost there, um, that we can start delivering that message before they go shopping, that's where we're going to see the behaviors really start to change. So how can businesses and financial institutions keep up with all these trends in the payment landscape? Melissa says it all boils down to one idea. They have to go omni-channel. But what does this buzzword really mean? Defined, you know, is omni-channel really means it's just a multi-channel approach to really marketing and selling and serving customers really in a way that creates an integrated and cohesive experience, um, no matter how or where they interact with you. So they can be shopping online from a desktop or mobile device um, or by telephone or in your actual store, right? It just needs to be seamless and it really needs to be, um, you know, all integrated, right? So it can't be disjointed, can't be broken. It can't look and feel different every time they interact with you. You know, and you can have an amazing mobile marketing and engaging social media campaigns and a really nice and well done website. But if those things aren't working together, also, it's not omni channel. It really has to cross across um, multiple, multiple layers of your touch points with your clients. 
So can you give me an example of an omni-channel experience? Yes. So um, Disney, right? Disney gets the omni-channel experience right. Um, they do lots of things right, but they, they're the best at this, down to the smallest details. Um, and it all starts with really your initial experience on their beautiful mobile responsive website. Um, and even the trip planning website works well on mobile. And, you know, that's something we don't see very often, right? Um, and even once you've booked a trip, um, you can use the My Disney Experience tool to plan your entire trip from the fast passes you want to your dining. And then even in the park, right, using your mobile app to locate the various rides you want to see or attractions and actually see how long you're going to have to wait in line. Um, but then they take it one step further, right? So they've got the magic bands, which can act as your hotel room keys, store your photos that you've taken with any of the characters. You can order food. I mean, it just, it even has, you know, your fast pass integration, you know, to keep you moving along uh, when you're standing in line. That's a truly omni-channel experience, right? You know, other examples would be Starbucks. Um, if you take a look at the app, and it's, it's really one of the top omni-channel experiences out there. I mean, you get free rewards that you can use to make a purchase. But, you know, unlike traditional customer loyalty programs, they made it possible to check and reload your card via your phone, your website, in-store, or on the app. And then any change that you make to your card or profile gets updated across all the channels in real time, right? I'm not waiting for an upload or an overnight file to take place. You don't have to stand in line anymore to get your coffee. I can order ahead of time and just walk in and pick it up. So they've done a really, really nice job from an app and an ordering experience. Um, and I would say Chipotle is up there as well. I think I need to do this coffee thing because I stood in line behind somebody buying scratch-off tickets. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, you know, my personal seventh level of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait till you're, wait till you're behind the, the um, elderly lady at the grocery store writing a check. <laughs> I just <laughs> And pulling out the license and writing That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, goodness. Uh, so in talking about Omnichannel, what other financial institutions are moving towards Omnichannel? I mean, just banks, brokerage firms, insurance companies? Banks, credit unions, financing organizations, uh, brokerage firms. I mean, everyone, right? You know, banking as a whole has a way to go to get there. There are more integration points because there's so many players in the mix. But we're getting there, right? So the banking experience has to get there because I mentioned before, there are ways for me to go and get that cup of coffee without my bank even being involved right? I can load money into that Starbucks app and, you know, I didn't need my bank to do anything, right? So it's important that they think about all of those integration points, where the deficiencies lie and how and when they invest on that um, user experience, because it's, it's super important. So who are they looking to for best practices? Where are financial institutions getting their wisdom from? So they're processors in, in a lot of cases, right? They're really looking for, um, and they're third-party partners. Um, there are so many players in the fintech space now that are really setting the stage, right? And coming in and actually offering support and guidance and roadmaps for financial institutions to follow to get there. And then, you know, processors such as FIS come into play because we own pieces of the ecosystem that plug into them, right? So um, in some cases, you know, we can be the card processor. In some cases, we are also um, what's called their core processor, which means we house kind of the brains, the operation, the, the um, account system, right? 
Um, in a lot of cases, we as FIS are also partnering with um, other fintechs to help support the financial institution. So a lot of hands in the pie. So you can start to see how that would become um, difficult to get everyone playing together. But the good news is that with APIs now becoming so prevalent and such a part of the conversation, is that it's making it easier for all of us to do business together to get to that truly omni-channel experience for the client. APIs. Sure, you've probably heard the term before, but what the heck is an API and why are they so key to creating an omni-channel experience? The letters stand for Application Programming Interface. And yes, that sounds complicated. But essentially, APIs allow different applications to work together. So if you're a bank building out your cardholder experience, APIs mean you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Let's say um, you wanted to be able to embed the ability in your phone, in your experience for your cardholder to say, hey, I didn't perform that transaction. Right. I want I want to you know, I want to let you know about that. Code has already been written in the form of an API so that financial institution can go in and grab that code, bring it in and plug it and play within their applications. It's a very simplistic and I have I have by no means done it justice. There's there's more work that, that comes into play there. But at the end of the day, it's basically all of these events have been um, already captured and translated into an API. So we don't have to go and we don't have to develop this from scratch. So you're taking things that have already been built and kind of bringing them in to collaborate together, like Uber. You know, Uber's already there. They they grab Google Maps. They grab a third-party payment app. And so Uber isn't creating and coding these things from the get-go, which is, you know, taxing their workforce. They're just tapping into what's already there. Yeah, which is where we were years ago, Right. And, and now it has completely evolved into um, kind of a market, an API marketplace, if you want to think of it that way. But the nice part is that it keeps growing and evolving. Um, and as, as you know, new types of transactions occur, new types of events occur, or new types of things that cardholders want to perform occur, it's all captured um, and then translated into an API that our partners and our clients can go and grab and, and import. So it's making speed to market much quicker and at the end of the day, um, making the experience that much better across, across all the channels for our clients. So that's only going to grow and get bigger. And so it would make sense that a payment provider would want to leverage APIs. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's interesting because um, if, if you were to rewind, let's just say 10 years ago, I think most processors were probably, um, I know they were under the mindset that I want you to play within my walls. Right. I want you to use the products and services that I have. You know, that translates to revenue. Right. Now we're at a, we're at a period of time where uh, many processors and FIS is leading the way here in that they, we've opened up the walls. We've opened up the opportunities um, that we want to look out for to partner with these third parties. Right. Because. Everyone working together only makes that relationship stronger with the client, right? So gone are the days where if I don't have it, you can't do it, right? Well, if I don't have it, let's go find it and let's plug and play it in here into the solution so we can help you deliver what you need to your cardholders. So, and we have to be there, right? We have to understand that there are going to be ways in which our clients want to do business that maybe we haven't thought of. 
So we really need to um, open up the walls and, and a- this is all back to, to APIs. It allows us to do that. So how can, how can APIs affect the user experience? So let's say Melissa wakes up in the morning, she's got her card in her hand. What does it look like in this seamless financial transaction world? Yeah. So if it's Melissa, there's no card in my hand, right? It's my phone. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if I'm waking up in the morning, um, you know, my my phone's one of the first things um, I've done after I've kissed my two little ones. And, you know, whether I'm, I'm, let's say I'm going on and I'm shopping, I'm on an app and I'm shopping and the checkout experience with whether it's in the app or I'm just shopping at a dot com on my phone, the checkout needs to populate my card, right? My card number needs to pop up. And let's say I'm, I'm going on my way and I'm shopping and I get an alert from my financial institution that says, hey, Melissa, um, and again, all on my phone, saw that large purchase you made for that dress, you want to turn that into an installment. Well, you know what? I'm kind of at my monthly budget. So yeah, let me do that. Let me turn that into 30 bucks a month for three months, right? That'll help out. Going about my day and I get a notification from my financial institution that says, hey, I noticed you were shopping online today, but I also saw this other uh, transaction online that seemed a little out of behavior for you. Um, did you perform this? Well, you know, no, I didn't. Great. Would you like to charge that back? Yes, I would. Right. So I'm right there. Everything's at my fingertips and I'm able to see, you know, um, where the transaction took place, the dollar amount, the time just to confirm, hey, that wasn't me or, you know, my daughter didn't have my phone perusing around uh, buying things on my card. And, you know, and fast forward, if I'm, I'm going on, uh, I'm going on a trip, right. And the event, we can all get back on planes soon and go hang out at the beach. Um, I want to make sure that uh, my financial institution knows, hey, I'm going to be spending um, out of my normal market here. We used to uh, be at a point where, hey, it would be great to notify my financial institution, which you can absolutely do within the mobile experience. But now they know your behaviors so well, they see that, hey, Melissa bought this plane ticket. Melissa has, you know, prepaid for this hotel. She shouldn't have to tell me she's going on vacation. I know that. Right. I know that when she goes down there and I see a purchase at, um, you know, at the uh, seafood shop right on the beach, that's her. You know, we knew she was going there. We saw she bought that ticket. Um, And then if I get back and I've lost my card and, you know, had a great vacation, but, you know, where in the world is it just to be able to get on my phone and flag that as lost and have a number automatically uh, sent back to me. So a digital card number that, like I shared before, that can be reprovisioned back into my Netflix, my Uber, my DoorDash, um, all of my my regulars, right, my Amazon. So anything and everything that can be done digitally that can interact seamlessly with me and doesn't require me to jump back and forth between multiple different apps is going to deliver an amazing experience for me. So that would be, I guess that was kind of a six month day in the life right there, but you can see how it kind of all comes together into um, how I want to interact and how I want my financial institution to interact with me. Do payment providers really need to become omnichannel? How important is that they move towards this omnichannel solution? So if we're talking about payment providers, so, um, you know, I'll use FIS as an example. I think that um, that becomes increasingly important because of many things, but because of data, 
right? So, um, you know, here at FIS being that uh, we have pretty much all the spokes on the wheel, right? We've, we have partners who we work with and clients who are e-commerce providers, right? So we do a lot with, um, with Google, we do a lot with Amazon, et cetera. Um, a lot of businesses and merchants who are online only, those are, that's our e-commerce space, right? Then we partner with the physical brick and mortar stores as well. So merchants across the globe. Then we've got our financial institutions. Um, then we've got, you know, integrated payment providers, um, which, you know, and cross many, um, many realms, but all of the different types of ways and people you could pay are kind of within the ecosystem here. And the reason that becomes important, this isn't a commercial for FIS, is because we can pull data from all of those points, right? We can help supply that back to the financial institution so they can make informed decisions, so they can understand where gaps may um, lie within their cardholder experience and where they can ultimately take that, right? So I, I think it's it's really important for payments providers to have visibility into the entire spectrum so that they can help deliver that back um, to their partners and to their financial institutions. Because if we're not playing in a various space, that means they're going to go somewhere else. Have you seen payment providers racing to become omnichannel because of COVID? Well, I think we were, um, from a payments provider perspective, a, a lot of consolidation occurred in the market pre-COVID. So without naming uh, too many names, you know, there were several um, acquisitions and mergers that took place. Uh, FIS had had a large one with the acquisition of WorldPay here um, that took place um, prior to the pandemic which was good because it, it combined ecosystems, right? So from the FIS perspective, large issuing presence in the market globally, world pay, large acquiring, large merchant presence uh, globally. So bringing those two together ahead of time really set the stage for our clients to be able to um, understand the payments ecosystem, to plug and play, um, and to start um, you know, really identifying synergies um, between the issuing and the acquiring space. And I think we talked about this prior. Gone are the days where it's um, financial institution versus merchant. Because at the end of the day, we all have the same goal, and that's to enable a seamless commerce experience, whether that's online or in a physical store or in an app, right? The same goals exist. You need to enable that experience for your cardholder, and they got to come together to do it. So partnering with someone who understands that entire ecosystem, has access points within that entire ecosystem, you're, you're going to be ahead of the game. Well, Melissa, this has been a fascinating conversation, and uh, you've kind of inspired me to rethink about some of these things, because I, I personally have been getting very frustrated with my cardholder experience. I need to up my game and find some financial institutions that are going to work better with me. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can have a better customer experience. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for us before we say goodbye today? I just think, um, you know, if if our, our financial institutions need some inspiration, you know, you can find plenty of companies um, that have already implemented fantastic omni-channel user experiences. And we mentioned a few. Um, and there are pieces and parts we can take from Disney. Um, we're always learning from Amazon. But just think about as a cardholder, when you interact, what are the important things to you? What are the easy little seamless things like popping up my card number when I'm shopping or when I have to type in my three-digit code, pop up the really large screen with the numbers on it versus having me type on my on my regular keyboard, right? Think about those little pieces and parts that make that, that checkout experience more convenient. 
and invest in self-service. My goodness, that's where we are, right? We all as consumers want to do everything from our phone. So take a really hard look at the tools that you have uh, within your self-service um, functionality and start to remove friction develop a simple flow. So um, that's a lot. Not everyone is going to be able to do all of what we talked about. So I'd say just find one or two areas, you know, where your organization can make changes um, or I think you, you risk being disrupted. Melissa Kopp is Director of Business Development at FIS. That's it for today's episode of Financial Futures. See you again next time when we take a deeper dive into P2P payment apps and how they're changing the game.